0: Hello and welcome to the Zwift the SBS podcast. Last year, I rode the most kilometres I've ridden in more than a decade and a fair portion of it was in the garage on Zwift, mainly because it's fun. The bonus was I got fitter in the process. Zwift had me connected with friends from all over the world who I hadn't ridden with for ages. Friends from Dubai, London, Wellington, Perth, Sydney, even friends in Melbourne, all on the same ride. It also got my competitive spirit going, so I made the most of the structured workouts in an effort to get the better of my mates on our weekly meetups. The biggest debate often being where to ride. My favorite's the Champs-Élysées, dreaming about winning the final stage of the tour. The Watopia mountain loop, I love the one up to the radio tower. And the RGV course in France, simply because it feels really fast. And I'm enjoying exploring the new Japanese-inspired Makuri Islands. All you need is a bike, trainer, and the Zwift app. Get a free seven-day trial, no strings attached, at Zwift.com. Right on.
1: Bonjour, 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 and uh, welcome to the Zwift Cycling Central uh, podcast. Uh, before we start, let me remind you that you can uh, download, stream, or subscribe to our podcast on our website, sbs.com.au slash central, or you can log a ride with our friends at Zwift. Joining me, it's Dave McKenzie. How are you, Dave? Hello, good morning. I am pretty good. Uh, what a TT. TTs,
2: they've gone from being the most boring stage on the planet to the most exciting. you know way. For me, at least.
1: Because we've got Pugacha. Yeah.
2: I mean, <laughs> it's just, they are. I actually really love watching them. I used to think they were so boring. As an athlete, I used to hate them, despise them, because they were so painful. Mm-hmm. But now they are, I mean, TV and the way now they can shoot them in live TV with multiple cameras. You know, you've got multiple riders out on course and we're blessed, aren't we? We talk about pogarcha, but... Really, there's a list of T2.
1: Yeah, we will unpack of what oh, we have in there. It but, was uh, great. It was a actually great spectacle because I must admit I was thinking yesterday mm, I might actually skip that one and watch the highlights. I was
2: wondering. <laughs> I was I was my phone. Oh, there was radio silence on my phone <laughs> in my room. Normally we're we're you know um, trading messages, and I thought, oh no, he's
1: it's funny because I actually thought you would pass on this <laughs> one as well. So <laughs> that's why I didn't message you anyway. Your <laughs> trade secret here. Old trade secrets. <laughs>
2: uh, hey, and uh, sorry, I've just got a bone to pick with you, pal. Yeah. It's yes, gone. My name is not Dave McChicken. It's so funny. <laughs> Dave McChicken. I, no, that is that is yeah, that is lady, very cheeky. And I saw you couch Peloton. <laughs> you couch Peloton if you know what I'm talking about. Just watch your back, all right? You here <laughs> next to me and you catch Peloton. Watch your back, all right?
1: If you don't know what we're talking about, uh, go, go back to our Twitter handle. <laughs> uh, there was a quick discussion about Dev uh, McChicken. It's it pretty funny. funny. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, Dev McChicken. What we <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's talk about this uh, this time trial that we saw yesterday. First time trial of the Tour de France. There is another time trial, a scary one. It's a longer, it's a longer one uh, at the back of the Tour de France. Uh, but we had a strong indication yesterday of who is in shape and guess who is in shape the pog is in shape
2: the defending champion in in a lot of ways it's not surprising is it in a lot of ways it is not surprising the defending champion i guess the only little surprise is that he was not a hot favorite for the tt so we all underestimated how good he is as a as a whole athlete and and, you know we we, i think i think every expert presumed the pog Will be front group every time on every mountain, you know, moving forward. But to beat real specialists like Stefan Kung, Wout Van Aert, Jonas Vingard, Asgrin. Asgrin, yeah, all those guys that are not GC riders and, you know, absolutely emptying the tank. And he puts, you know, 19 seconds into Kung, 27 into Vingard, 30 into Van Aert. I mean, Wow! Yes. Just
1: wow! It's funny because uh, we we had Van Aert as the arch favorite for this uh, for this for this time trial, and uh, the guys in the commentary yesterday said something really interesting. And I think it's actually Briley that said this. But when you look at Van Aert, uh, you just look at Van Aert. You know he's emptying the tank, but you, you watch him, you know he's emptying the tank. Yeah. You watch Pogacar on a time trial he's emptying the tank he's at the max but it doesn't look like it he's got such a poker face and the second he crosses
2: the line like we, the camera was on him as he crossed the line
1: he just had a soft drink and yeah, then 20 <laughs>
2: seconds later he's smiling <laughs> yeah. he's smiling like he, he's you know we can't we can't overstate what we're watching here with and, this and you kid.
1: you made a very good point i'd like you to make it again about being one in a hundred years yeah
2: so i mean he's the second youngest winner of the Tour de France. Ever. Ever, right? Since nineteen oh three. Yeah. So the youngest was in the second edition. Yeah, nineteen oh four. Yeah, it was the youngest of uh, the name escapes me, but I've gone back. And we're and
1: talking months. Yeah, we're not yeah, talking years, we're months. talking months in, yeah, that's in between right.
2: them. So he's the second youngest. We are looking at an athlete that is one in one hundred years of any sport. You know, Tiger Woods, Michael Schumacher, Ayrton Senna. Ayrton Senna, the best. But he's so young he doesn't look incredible on the bike he me. could walk
1: down the street down Pitt street in sydney no
2: one would know who he is yeah and and from all accounts he will talk to anyone he has got his feet firmly on the ground he's very polite this kid is i, I love him I, I really do i just think he's uh he's a he's a breath of fresh air to cycling and not that we necessarily needed it we've got i think we've got some great young athletes both men and women and and um, very, very professional and respectful, and all those things. But wow, we are looking at something special here.
1: And I think if we just extrapolate on this, we are looking at a special era in cycling. When yeah. when we like, we need to realize that you know, in tennis they had the the Nadal, Federer, Djokovic. This is the era we are on. But we can replicate this in cycling. We've got the. Pogacar and Roglic which are incredibly from the same country yep. uh, Slovenia giving us two of the biggest champions of the time but you get of course the Philippe, you get all the others Bernal Bernal yeah. uh, and, and the up and coming the, the Theo Gaggenhardt the Carapaz uh, it's a great era Look, the, the era is just incredible there's yeah. not one guy necessarily dominating everything although Pogacar is currently dominating the tour yeah. but as an era it's yeah. shaping up to be the, ne- the next four or five years need the shaping up to be incredible.
2: Yeah, and I don't think anyone could have foreseen this. You know, three, four years ago, probably just pre-Bernal winning the tour, I don't think anyone, you know, could have seen this coming. And, you know, we we're all... Let's be honest, let's say it, because I think it's just a human nature. It's not that we dislike him. Um, we were sort of getting sick of Chris Froome winning so much. All the time. All the time. And the guy, you know, the guy is an absolute gentleman. Chris Froome is so professional and... A very nice guy but when someone wins so so convincingly all the time you're sort of like oh we we," you know and you you sort of go well for the sport we need another winner and then boy (laughs) yeah. <laughs> now we've got four or five,
1: up? there's basically four or five Chris Froome's yeah, in the yeah. pack. So, it's, I mean, it's watch amazing. out because this could be the, one of the best era for cycling. Uh, and we are just at the beginning of it. Yeah. Uh, let's go back to the, the time trial itself. Pogacar does super well. It's uh, climbing up the ladder at the, uh, the, the the GC, the general classification, very high. He's second now, second to the man, Matthew Van Der Poel. Kept yellow. We always knew it was possible. You actually picked him in I, the, I uh, know. Uh, in the in the tipping competition. It was it was,
2: a, it was a risky move because he said he talked down his chances. He said he's barely been on his TT bike, but he is Matthew Vanderpol. He is in the yellow jersey and he is in great form. So I just thought, at the worst, he still he'll still produce a good time. So he was fifth on the stage, thirty one seconds behind the Pog and one second off his arch rival if you like Wout van art they're like a mirror of each other aren't they yeah absolutely
1: on dirt bikes on yeah. mountain bikes on cyclocross and now on the road uh, and that that battle goes on since they were six or seven years old it's incredible
2: <laughs> it is quite incredible
1: but um yeah i mean
2: you could you could argue himself and of course pogacar were rides of the day yeah I absolutely. Think, of everyone there um but you
1: can't you can't pick Anyone else than Pogacar for rider of the day? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Uh, if we look again in uh, in the vicinity of the top of uh, of this time trial, uh, Richie has done very well uh, considering the opposition that he had on. and and in fact for his team as well, for Ineos, he's done very well. Yeah. Yeah. He's Richie's done a brilliant ride. But we know he likes the time trial. He's yeah. not bad at the time trial. Yeah. yeah. Quite good.
2: You can argue that time trialing is, is especially more than climbing, um, but he but he can do both very well. That's what makes Richie a, a great GC rider as well. So, ninth on the stage, um, 55 seconds off Pogacar. So, look, you take, you take Pogacar out of the mix just for a second. He, he's head and shoulders above. We know that. The next general classification rider really was Primrose Roglic in seventh at 44 seconds. So, Richie was 10 seconds off. Uh, yeah. Sorry, 11 seconds off Roglic. Roglic. So he was... That was a brilliant ride by Richie. He's in great form. Look, it, it doesn't show much in the general classification as yet. I think he's still sort of mid-20s because he's actually lost time to Pogacar, who, who ultimately, you know, he's, you'd imagine all things considered equal, he will go into yellow in the next few days.
1: Yeah, but cards will be reshuffled in the next few days. Yeah, this the first the mountain thing.
2: stage, you will see all the non-GC guys drop
1: out it's but a bit like in, in formula one when some of the drivers have been in a pit and changed the tires and some haven't yeah uh, yeah yeah th- that's there's right. a virtual cl- uh ranking and then yeah. there's a real ranking a real
2: ranking <laughs> that's right yeah so no he was great he was great and um look there's a there's, there's another rider and there's a few to just please sort mention of... alaphilippe oh well yeah definitely he was 14th <laughs> on the stage we expected more from him that's actually probably a bit harsh yeah um but r- at the r- end of the day he too
1: was only 20 six seconds, I think, off Roglic. R- uh, Roglic. And Robbie made a very good point. We expect so much, so much uh, on a time trial now from Philippe because of the performance he's done in Poe in 2019 yeah. or 18. I can't yeah, remember. Yeah. Um, but that time trial in Poe, like Robbie mentioned in the coverage yesterday, could not have been better suited for him. The time trial yesterday was not suited for Philippe and he still finishes only 26 seconds off Roglic. Yeah
2: yeah he was no he, he was great and um the thing the problem was he was on the road of course when um pogacar was the camera kept going from pogacar to him yeah and you could actually see the difference in the speed or i could you know so you're watching alaphilippe thinking oh he's going bad he's going bad but then when the clock stops he actually produced a pretty good time and you know he he did a lazy 49.1 kilometers an hour average yeah. speed. <laughs> <So laughs> while shaking his leg. While shaking his legs. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Uh, a couple of other notables Rigoberto Uran. He Fly- was
1: one spot ahead of Ala Philippe. Flying under the radar, Uran. He is, this guy is on form. He, remember, Uran finished second at the tour before. Yeah. So he knows how to ride a complete Tour de France with a place on the podium. And of the four
2: victories of Chris Froome, he was the closest. Yeah. He got the closest to Froome. He pushed Froome. Remember that TT uh, to Marseille? Totally. He absolutely. I remember because very Bar- nervous.
1: Barde claimed to his uh, hang on to his first spot by one second. Yes, I remember? Yes. That thing. <laughs> he almost
2: crashed into the um into the first the right. Stadium. And, our, and our good
1: friend uh, Mike Tomorais broke his ankle that day. <laughs>
2: yes, he did. Jump the fence. Yeah. He, I mean, that was it. Was a it was a you know I'm still not convinced. I think. Tom, was. was li- a, it was. It was a
1: football. It was a football injury. <laughs> he was limping pretty bad. <laughs> <laughs> That's
2: right. Good memory. I remember that. Um, so yeah, there was. I think they're the other notables. And, and look, even Garrett Thomas, I think we've got to give a special mention. Uh, Pop his shoulder out. Given the circumstances. Yeah, one eighteen off the stage winner, in sixteenth place, just a couple of spots behind Rigoberto and Julian Alaphilippe. So Thomas is not out of this. Yeah, he will get better each day. He will get better. He, he'll recover slowly, but surely.
1: Any shockers in this? Um, I don't think there was any... Richard thing. Carapaz well, we knew, We knew that Carapaz is not is not a time trialist. No, he he doesn't he, like them.
2: But he did lose 144. He lost 144 to the pole. Yeah, okay.
1: So that's Richard Carapaz. That's going to be hard to claim back in the mountain. Yeah. That means a serious attack.
2: Wilco Kaldeman, like really... He's a more of a specialist of a time trialist than a climber. One forty nine off the pace. Um, Harry Sweeney, just another mention. One fifty three. The young Australian. So that was a great ride. And I know when we weren't talking this guy up, Jakob Fulsung lost one fifty two. So guys like that, that maybe had some sort of hopes in their head. Nigel lopez 208. Yeah. Remember, he capitulated last year on La Planche de Belfi, right. the final TT. So he doesn't like TTs, that's yeah. for
1: sure. Uh, on the Aussie watch, um, Durbridge, Durbo, um, he, he did a solid ride. Yeah. Because you, you mentioned it yesterday, this is not in a job discussion to win the time trial. So his job is to stay out of trouble and to be here for his teammates that that also means not riding the time trial at 100%. Yeah, but he, I
2: think he I did mean, because, this, because he was given the green light.
1: But this is not the Olympics. This is no not, this no. is not the world championship. No, that's, that's right. what that's what I mean.
2: Yeah, so he was 20th on the stage. Um so he he had a gra- he had a good ride Durbo. and for a guy who's been playing super domestique mm-hmm. like he's wor- he's worked hard for the first four days up till now even though our cameras don't spot him much in the peloton. He's rallying his teammates, his team leaders, and you know, collecting bins, keeping them out of the wind, riding in the wind. Uh, and I think he's been caught up in one crash at least. Uh, so that was a good ride by Durbo. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Okay, uh, general classification, there's been a, a, a real shake-up. Uh, not at the top, as we say, Mathieu van der Poel stays in yellow, but Pogachar is sniffing down his neck, oh, basically. He is, uh, yeah. And, and, and then Alaphilippe as well has lost a few places. So there's been a, a, a bit of a reshuffle at the top. So the GC is sort of now taking shape a bit. It is, it is. So you've
2: got, yeah, van der Poel, the Pog at eight seconds. Wow, van Aert at 30, Alaphilippe at 48. You know who we, we haven't mentioned? Alexi Lutsenko in fifth place now yeah. at 121. And uh, you'll be happy about this. Pierre Latour in sixth. Yep.
1: Yeah. Well, well, L- L- didn't
2: L- even mention him in his TT results. He, he's
1: done a good TT, actually. He's had a great ride. Yeah, absolutely. And if you go down as well, there's other few Frenchies in the top 10. Is it? Yeah, so but we don't want to. <laughs> oh, so now suddenly the S- top 10 doesn't down. count. Suddenly the top 10 <laughs> doesn't count. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, unless you can ride inside top All 10. Right. All it's right,
2: David McChicken. I understand. <laughs> <David> <laughs> McChicken. Oh, my God. This might stick. I know. <laughs> I, I feel like it's going to. I saw someone in the tweet replied
1: and said, just put an MC yeah. in front of it. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay, well that, that was the time trial. And st- stay tuned because uh, after, uh, we, we will review or preview actually the stage coming up uh, tonight. But we also, and I mentioned this yesterday in Bonjour Le Tour, uh, do a special for Phil Anderson. We want to uh, mark the great man that... Uh, is uh, Phil Anderson. Uh, So we will replay part of the interview we had with him to celebrate 40 years to the day yesterday uh, since the first non-European claimed the Yellow Jersey. And I know it's something that is quite close to your heart as well.
2: As an Australian and as a really young kid, uh, 1980, 81, you know, I was, um, well, I was a young boy, let's yeah. just say that. Um, yeah, I mean, Phil is my hero, yeah. still, to this so day. So we
1: have a special with him, and then John Trevor as well will uh, talk to us about how he, he saw the growth of someone like uh, Phil Anderson. But this is coming up straight after the preview of the stage tonight. Guess where we're going? We're going to Chateauroux, and we are expecting that stage uh, a lot because of one man, that man is Mark. Cavendish? Oh,
2: yeah. And we're expecting it even more now, aren't we? Because he's got a victory under his belt. He's in the green. Can you believe it? Yeah. Can you believe it? Mark Cavendish...
1: In a green jersey.
2: ...is in the green jersey with a stage win. The first two days f- were for non-sprinters. We've had a time trial. There's been two sprint opportunities, and he's already gone bang. This In, in Mark Cavendish's best years, it took him longer to get his first win. Yeah. This is this i am convinced he is totally up for the green yeah okay and i'm not saying he's that's his big focus it's not his focus not yet not yet but i am saying he if he fiz- if he wants to go for it well he, he's just going to go keep nipping away at the sprints isn't he yeah he's yeah.
1: flying oh, he has to be yeah. uh, and, and remember why we are picking this one up because Châteauroux was the place where he first won a stage at the Tour de France and here now he might say no, but Mark Cavendish is also here to mark history. Mm. He knows what he's doing now. He's also uh, aging closer to the, the 34 wins, of stage wins in the Tour de France of Eddie Merckx. He's now on 31, albeit Eddie Merckx was not a sprinter. But still, uh, Tomo mentioned yesterday in Bonjour Le Tour, Eddie has got all the other records. Yeah. So let let this one slip to Mark Cavendish. Yeah. It would be a great celebration of who Mark Cavendish is for the sport.
2: Yeah, yes, it would be. It's funny, I, I'm not big on... Uh, I guess I am on some, but I'm not big on this one. And I totally believe that when Cavendish says and, and his peers around him say, look, he's not counting...
1: Really? Do no, I totally,
2: it, I totally believe
1: that. Yeah. He'd be happy to take it though. I, he'll
2: take it absolutely, and it will be a celebration. And you're right; it's a, it'll be a great thing that we witness this if if it indeed it does happen. But um, he, he's just a racer, and he, he just wants to win. He just wants yeah. to win bike races, and, and so it doesn't matter if he
1: stops at 33.
2: No, no I don't let's think say so. finish
1: the tour here this year. 33. I think it's media driven. Pal. Yeah,
2: it's yeah, yeah. No, I really do. I really do. I mean, when you've won that much. You're not like it's. It's funny because I know I know Matty Keenan uh, compares tennis sometimes because he loves his tennis as you do. Roger Federer absolutely looks at those records, doesn't he? Yeah, all the time, uh, all the time. I reckon no.
1: he watches them. Where he looks at them every morning when yeah. he goes.
2: And, and is it would it be fair to say the other t- uh, um, Nadal Nadal does and and. And yeah, and,
1: and Djokovic do as well. I think maybe
2: because Federer is so obsessed with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, but we diverted to in tennis here, but that's yeah, cool. <laughs> but I think in cycling, no. I mean, I know. I, I see. I see. I see Froome going for five two wins as a big one. That's big because that. But the is number so of stages doesn't
1: do. doesn't really matter. No, I
2: don't know. Yeah, it's a funny thing. But okay. look, look. look Cav will take it. Yeah. He will absolutely take it. and uh, he'll But he can make his way
1: to 32 tonight. Mm. Uh, and we know, and we repeat it several times here, a happy Cav is a dangerous Cav, mm. but he's very happy now. So he's very dangerous. He's already got his... The pressure's off. Well, he, yeah, exactly. He's already got his stage win. He's already proven he's worthy of being here this year at the Tour de France. His boss is very happy with him. Yeah. He cannot move, except something exceptional. He cannot just move from being this happy Uh, being unhappy although it's mr lefevre so we never know and and
2: it's (laughs) and 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 they're in the domain as a sprinter yeah like and i don't i don't want to but you know one mishap tonight bang your your race can be over
1: but look at it this way five stages already okay we've got two wins for Dukenic, two wins for alpacin phoenix and then one win for uae so they already have a good chunk uh, uh, of the wins this year they've already uh, if to if tomorrow Duke Quickstep goes home they've already complete what they were achieving they were set to achieve here yellow jersey. yellow jersey stage, stage win, win. Uh, and green jersey and, and that so on so it's I'm not saying they will but uh, I'm saying that in their head they're free oh, so, so, yeah. so Mark Cavendish is free in his head and that is where he is dangerous
2: and you know what else you know what else 48 hours ago He wasn't even a factor, right, in the heads of his rivals. Now he is. So now the little seed of doubt against his sprint rivals is there because they're like, he's back.
1: And and that's funny because he won the stage and everyone was around him, everyone from the tour, from everyone from the other teams, high-fiving, slap on the back, da-da-da-da-da-da. I don't think we'll see that tonight. If no, he start no. winning again, oh no, oh no, <laughs> they're going to no. go, Whoa. And, and the
2: French audience
1: will turn back on him again, <laughs> yeah. as we do. <laughs> All right, you've won too much. That's it. We don't like you. <laughs> Get out. <laughs> uh, but this is what's at stake tonight. Yeah, it's it going to be a sprinter stage. This is what's at stake. Yeah, uh, it's it's it's. I think uh, it's really worth staying up for just to see if this unfolds.
2: Every, every stage is, there's always a twist, isn't there? Look, it's a, it's a, on paper, it's a bit of a nothing stage it's a 160 kilometer stage it is pan flat basically um a couple of bumps but not even a king of the mountains so the polka dot jersey uh will stay on the shoulders of eda Schelling. he has done well i think he deserves just a special mention because there's only a few points in it but he's done it well and he would have looked at the course route in advance and realized if he could get the jersey at this point with the tt with the flat stages with no KOM points he can hold that jersey so
1: so he's got he's got it to the footsteps of the Alps. Yeah, pretty that much. That is a, that is a great effort, and it's something to bring a KOM jersey on the footsteps of the Alps. He knows it's going to be difficult for him to defend it oh, from totally. from this coming this weekend. Yeah, uh, but he's, you're right. He's uh, and he's smiling about it. It's so oh, uh, yeah. so nice to see on the bike. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, so that's it for the 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 review and preview of uh, the stages of this Tour de France this year. But hey. The great man, Phil Anderson, well, we, was with us uh, a few months back. Uh, I yeah. think it's, uh, but we were celebrating already something that has happened yesterday, 40 years in since the first yellow jersey. Uh, just before we play back part of the interview of what we've done a, a few months back, just your opinion here, I just touched on, on a little thing, but uh, a little bit before. But this achievement changed the course of cycling forever.
2: It did. It was like I'm good a, at building up stuff, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was a shifting of the plates that it, it you know, it, it it was like the tectonic plates were shifted and, and one man did that. Um yes, there were pioneers before Phil Anderson and I always love to mention them as well. But But he's one of them. But he's one of them and he is the one that not only just went to Europe and got some okay results, he went there and beat the best in the world. And and this was, you know, forty years ago yesterday was the start of the career of phil anderson and he became he became a a household name in europe absolutely you know he was he was at when when they had the points Skippy. (laughs) yeah he was you know he was this sort of um everyone wanted to know who is this guy he's from australia wow australia that's so far away this is you know it was way ahead of his time yeah Yeah. uh, it's it's we can't celebrate it enough
1: so let's start with uh, a part of the interview we had a few months back with phil anderson Can we somehow take your mind back to
2: 1980, you turned professional, you'd already been in Europe in 79 as an amateur, so you turned pro for a French team, Peugeot, you get off the plane, what was that first sort of month like for you because bear in mind, in this day and age now, there's mobile phones, there's internet, there's a plethora of expats, including a lot of Australians in Europe, you would have been one of the only Australian professionals then racing and in europe period probably alan piper as well what
3: was it like uh yeah well like you said my, i was there the year before and in, in 79 and that was possibly the icebreaker for me because i'd uh you know i'd, I'd been in europe i'd uh, known what it was to be like you know living as a, as a serious cyclist in a uh, in a foreign country but yeah i was going to make it, meet meet uh, a new bunch of uh, colleagues workmates uh I knew one of them. I think I knew actually. I knew two of them because I knew uh, Robert Miller, and uh, because we'd come through the ACVB together, Philippi who's now known as Philippe York, and then the other one was Graeme Jones, another another Jones, yeah, yeah, another Brit. So um, yeah, so yeah, I knew those two guys, but other than that. Uh, Arrived in Paris and I knew I was only going to be in Paris for a couple of days because we're going to go to a training camp down the south. So, and that's where I'd really uh, get to meet all my teammates. But uh, yeah, pretty daunting. But uh, yeah, the year before it was real. you know, I spoke very little english i uh, sorry very little <laughs> i still don't speak english correctly but no very little french and um you know i had no idea really what to expect it was a real it was a real sort of um yeah i was quite anxious about it the first year the yeah. second year yeah stepping up certainly
1: but that dominance of the the european scene and the french language in the peloton must have yeah you say it's a bit daunting but how was it in the team itself because uh, uh, we, we both watched uh, the documentary uh, 23 days well, in July. Or? well i've watched it numerous times <laughs> yeah
2: you know, I, I steered you christophe to watch it. and you're like gee he's he's got some beef i think Phil,
1: careful so let's set yeah let's set this one right here straight what's wrong with the french
3: <laughs> no no there's uh nothing wrong with the french and um still you know my favorite country to ride and and uh, uh i got many french friends i mean that's what you meant to say isn't it <laughs> <laughs> yep you're doing well this is good this, this is, is good, good yeah. But, but yeah i was it was yeah i mean you're meeting a whole new uh, team of riders and i'd had a very good year the year before you know won heaps of races and, and by the end of the year you know i had, had um quite some respect in the amateur circles because back then of course there was the amateurs and pros and, and you know i was suddenly stepping up to uh into the big pond and um yeah it's like sort of starting over but having that experience of of, of living in Paris for a year and, you know, dealing with teammates and, you know, a, a Peloton in a foreign country was um you know, wasn't new wasn't old. So, you know, I was I was looking forward to it. I was looking forward to it but I wasn't real didn't have any big expectations of um you know, of a career, I still a, still pretty much a hobby. You know, when I think back to my first Tour de France, um, you know, I had to uh, shake the tree a bit myself. You know, I was meant to be staying with somebody and I, and I did, yes. you know, it wasn't like I attacked him or anything like that, but, uh, you know, I was meant to be with uh, Jean-René Bernadot. Um, but, you know, he was having a bad day and and in uh, the excitement at all of, you know, reaching the first mountain in, in, in my first Tour de France, I forgot about the instructions. <laughs> I got, I got with, swept up. you but know, with i with mean, none I was, other
2: than Bernardino. Yeah, I yeah. was with the leaders. So,
3: yeah. um, you know, it, it wasn't, uh, you know, but I remember my director coming up coming up beside the Peloton. You know, this is before radios, of course. You know, he <laughs> came up beside the Peloton and goes, Philippe, uh, Philippe, hey, Jean-René. where's Jean-René? Where's jean Renee? You know, and I said, oh, yeah, that's right. That's how I tweaked and i told him oh look, you know i can uh, i can rest up a bit i'm pretty stuffed here you know we've gone over a bloody three or four climbs already and uh you know it was quite a bit more serious than going over the Dandy so i was pretty stuffed <laughs> and uh and he said no 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 you stay there but he said you come and see me tonight <laughs> and then by that night you had the yellow by that night i had the yellow yeah, yeah. so um
1: let's go back to that moment when you got the yellow okay? yes uh, when did you realize you were going to get the yellow and what went through your mind? Because that's, that's such a, I guess, a high peak of, of your career.
3: Yes, yeah, an early peak. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it was, uh, yeah, I mean, obviously I knew how races work. The day before this particular stage, I think it was on so st- stage five, so stage four, we had a team time trial finish, finishing in Carcassonne. Uh, yeah. So I finished on the track there, and uh, our team went pretty well. I think Rally won, and then I think we got second, the, the uh, Peugeot team. And he knows team the uh, Renault team. uh, They came in, you know, maybe thirty seconds down or forty seconds down behind us. I don't think it was a particularly long time trial. And so we get to the uh, we get to the um, mountains the next day, uh, and it went finished at a ski resort and I had no idea, you know. I'd, I'd done a few efforts on Glouffery Road. <laughs> <laughs> before you left. You know, a <laughs> you know, few, uh, few repetitions. Yeah, a few reps. <laughs> had I'd,
2: you ridden in the mountains, the Pyrenees or the Alps, uh, before? No. The,
3: no like, uh, we'd, to we'd our do, listeners,
2: and I, I guess this is modern time, but I'm not sure back then, but not too many bike races in France have raced in the Alps or the Pyrenees apart from Tour de France, are they?
3: No. No, normally it's was Dolphin A, but I didn't know how to do the Dolphin A. I don't know why, because it was too hard. You know, I was yeah, too hard. <laughs> no, we'll let him. We'll let him. We'll crack him in the in the, in the, in the tour. But um, you know, I had had a pretty good year. I won three or four races leading into the Tour de France. That's why they selected me. But um, you know, they didn't put me in the uh, in the A team leading up to it. So yeah, there I was in the uh, start line, and you know, whittled down as we went up. And I was given a um, a blast by the director for not waiting for John on a. I continued, and uh, you know. Pretty exciting going down those descents. <laughs> um, and then I uh, got to the last climb and loosened Van Imp attacked from the bottom. The others looked to me. I mean, there was Quickie on, there was a handful of other riders, and they all looked to me, you know, the new kid in the block will let him chase. He's a newbie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no way. And so did you? No. Or did you just followed. And no, Hino was followed, there yeah. then. Yeah. And then um, I think Quickie uh, on attacked, Hino went after him. I stuck to Hino's wheel. And then, um, you know, Blairo went straight past uh, quickly. and I stuck on him. And then it was us, just two of us. Of course, um, Lucent... Vannie won the stage. Uh, the Bells were still up the road. So, uh, yeah, it ended up just Hino and I. And, you know, you go across the line. And I figured I was... Yeah, I figured that I was going to be in yellow. I wasn't sure how many seconds behind... Uh, you know, his team had finished in the team time trial, but it, uh, I figured that I think the bonification on the top of the stage was maybe you know, the difference between second and third because he got second, I got third, was only maybe only five seconds, but I think we, we'd we beaten him, so I knew I was going to get the jersey, but I didn't, I didn't realise uh, the consequences of getting a jersey, you know. I'd, Got the jersey that, before and other races. Yeah. You know, <laughs> the Peninsula tra- three-day tour, for yeah. example. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but, because I've, I've seen you in several documentaries after that, but you, you mentioned that it's changed your life.
3: Oh, absolutely. When, when now the Tour de France is so international back then. I mean, I was an alien.
1: How good is Phil? Is so laid back. He's incredible. Yeah. But the way it's taken into the story, I would just um, entice you to go back and listen to this podcast. I think it was from December last year. Mm. Uh, he's just incredible. And remember, you and I, normally the podcast are about half an hour. After an hour, we had to stop him. Remember, but we could yeah. have gone on for another hour.
2: I remember looking at you 45 minutes in thinking, are you going to pull this? And I, I was hoping not because... And I've known Phil you know, properly for about 20-odd years now. And, um, and I've heard of a lot of his stories, obviously, um, as a kid and then firsthand off him. But I was just like, I don't want this to end. <laughs> it was so good. And he was, it was great because he really got into it as well. And he was sometimes, you know, because Phil is so down to earth, he doesn't necessarily want to talk about his successes. But it wasn't necessarily all the successes either. Just nah, it a was little, his life a just a little anecdotes uh, yeah. and actually
1: uh, go back and listen please uh, do yourself a favour and we're not uh, blowing our own trumpet No, nah, it, was, it was all Phil and actually blowing uh, the trumpet for Phil Anderson mm. here because Phil was just incredible and he gave us so much in his podcast including his first time meeting a certain Lance Armstrong in <laughs> yes. the back of a bus <laughs> that, story, really that yes, story is it incredible is. <laughs> that
2: was almost the best moment that's <laughs> uh, <yeah>. <laughs> hilarious Yeah, yeah uh, go this. back
1: and listen to this you know what someone that was there and saw a feel and sense developing from the amateur scene to the pro scene is John Trevorrow. John Trevorrow is also a legend of Australian cycling. John's been everywhere, you know. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Every, you know, just, just quickly, and John Trevorrow was in Mexico for Eddie Merckx's hour record I know, he's <laughs> <It's> crazy. <laughs> it's, he literally has popped up everywhere. <laughs> John Travaro got me my first pro contract. <laughs> he did. This is true. This is the guy's amazing. He's, yeah, he's so incredible. I was
1: lucky enough to to uh, catch up with him via Zoom yesterday, uh, and we had a quick chat about Phil Anderson.
4: Yeah, yeah well, 1981, and uh, it was my it turned out uh, my last year racing in Europe. So I raced a, a couple of races in Belgium with Phil uh, in uh, end of April, early May, and uh, I then went on and raced in the Giro and and, and the Tour de Suisse. And I remember coming back and racing other small races in Belgium when the tour started and watching all the highlights. And, oh, look, it it was uh, life-changing for him, but it was also uh, life-changing for a lot of people because, you know, Australians weren't that well-known racing in Europe or well-known on the track, but not so much on the road. And I don't think there was 10 English-speaking guys in the whole European peloton uh, in, in 1981. So um, it, 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 he was the start of a major change with himself and like uh, Sean Kelly, and, uh, Greg LeMond, and, uh, Miller, Roach That, that uh, it was the start of a big change. But if you had said to me back then uh, that English would be the voice of the peloton as it is now, I would have said, yeah, you dream uh, uh, it because it changed everything, 1981.
1: Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm happy about that, but that's a different matter, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, when you look at, at what that changed in terms of the cycling, yes, it changed. About, you know, I believe, I believe he, he, he let other people believe it was possible because it's 78 years before that. No other Europe, no, no one from outside of Europe has ever won the Euro, or, or wore the yellow jersey.
4: No, no, it's quite amazing, isn't it? I mean. I don't think Phil at the time didn't realise just how big it was, you know, to, to get that yellow jersey. I, I remember uh, they had a function uh, at uh, Lourdes a few years later. I might have been celebrating 20 years when he won it. And I, I ended up hosting it because the other host got stuck on the mountain and they were coming back down from uh, the, the, the Place d'Etat, the, 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 where, where he won it. And um, I remember him talking about it, how he's, Sports director came up, was yelling at him because he hadn't waited. I can't remember who his leader was, know one of those guys was way back. He said, oh, you're supposed to be with him. Oh, I'll wait for him. Well, he's five minutes back. Don't worry about it now. <laughs> uh, and and it's just the way, uh, oh, okay. <laughs> he didn't even realise what he was, and uh, just how big it was, what he was doing at the time.
1: And, and do you think uh, it took a bit of time to sink in? Because the, the reception in Australia, will have, if we compare the younger generation, they go, Cadell Events, everyone knows Cadell Events and, and the reception Cadell got here once he won the tour, but uh, the what was the reception here, do you know? Uh, if, did people talk about it or was it just a few lines in the newspaper?
4: Well, it, it didn't receive anywhere near the publicity it should have. I was over there, so I can't really comment on what was happening. But, you know, we only used to fight back in the end of the 70s and in the early 80s. You know, you've got a magazine uh, a couple of weeks later, the newspapers didn't run much at all. You know, it would have been just a little tiny piece in the Herald Sun uh, that, that Phil Anderson had got the other jersey. He wouldn't have received anywhere near the accolades that he, that he should have got. Remembering, he, he was a sensational cyclist. It, it took a Cadell. To knock him off the perch as our greatest ever road cyclist. Um, I remember in 1985, he was just amazing. You know, he won uh, two of the Mediterranean. He won the Dauphiné, two of the Swiss, second in the, uh, uh, to the Flanders, second in Welfigland, fifth in Tour de France, fourth in paris Nice. I mean, in one season. And he used to have a, a year-long competition uh, called the uh, Pernod, I think it was called back then which is like a World Cup and it was only the last race through Lombardi, uh when he was sick and either I can't remember who beat him in the end it was either Lemond or Kelly whichever one of them had to win to take it off him and they won it by uh, 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 just a tire to take that off him the, the best rider for the year so yeah he was a superstar and,
1: and when we uh, when we talk about uh, how he's remembered today uh do you think we do enough to remember the achievement, the sheer achievement of what it was?
4: No, no, we definitely don't, you know. Uh, part of it, because he didn't race much in Australia. So once he turned professional at the end of 1980, the only race he ever raced in Australia I'll give myself a plug. It was the Bakeritz. I got him to ride the Bakeritz one year, which was in 1994, and he won a, a fantastic stage in Ocean Grove. And it's the only race he ever raced in Australia from the time he, he turned professional in 1980 till his career finished in 1994, which is probably yeah, a shame because uh, he, he didn't get to do that. And I think it was also a real shame he never got to ride in the Olympics because he would have been in that Olympics in 1980, but he, he turned pro, pro instead. And once... Back in those days, once you turned professional, uh, you you were you, you couldn't ride in the Olympics. So that was a, a a bit of a shame. I know that Phil regrets that.
1: And, and so, what what can we do? What what could Australia, cycling Australia or cycling, as it's called now, or, or can we all do to remember this? Because uh, we should share history. It's part of uh, of our whole uh, cycling history.
4: Yes. But, okay pretty uh you know relaxed uh, uh, sort of guy Phil, so he doesn't yeah. uh, push his own barrow very much you know what if you can come up with the right uh uh, uh, uh function or idea i'll be right behind you uh, in it Christoph. because uh, um you know I- i'm his biggest fan i remember when i first noticed him uh, i was sort of helping out a young junior named michael phillips michael was a junior with with phil and um the first time I saw them in a test race, I think uh, uh, Michael just beat Phil, but Phil came up really quick. And then I remember a test race just, before, but to select the Victorian team that was then going to uh, try for that nineteen seventy eight Commonwealth Games, which he ended up winning. And it was out the back of Warrigal. I was watching the race, and Phil Anderson went alone. It was a real rough day as well, windy and wet, and he went away alone. And in the group chasing were the best. Of, in Victoria, there was the Sanzonetti brothers, uh, Good Rope, uh, all these, the best guys. And they just let Phil dangle out there thinking, we'll let him wear himself out and then we'll just pull him back later. Well, that's not what happened. They let him out there and he just got further and further. Then they started working hard together and they all blew apart. And, and Phil beat them by about five or six minutes. I can't remember. It was amazing. <laughs> and I thought, wow, yeah. this guy is something special.
1: Uh, how was it uh, as a as a rider?
4: Oh, no, he was a fierce competitor. I, of course, never got to race with him that much. I raced a couple of races in Belgium with him that year in 81, and that was it, because he'd been avid, I'd been pro, and then I finished. But when you look at, look, uh, he won the Dulux Tour. When, he must have been just 19 um, in 1977, um, which is uh, was one of our great uh, Tours in the region, you know, you at the Sun tour, the tour of Tasmania, the Examiner Tour, and the Julux Tour. He won that. But and, and that Commonwealth games he won. You know, he crashed in, inside the last, oh it wasn't that far, I think eight kilometres to go or something. Just, just got up, dust himself down, rode straight back up, up to the and, and won it like it was nothing. But uh, no, he was a he he was a very, he was a ferocious competitor.
1: The, the more the more I, I unfold the stories about Philly, it seems to be an incredible time for cycling.
4: Yeah, look, it's a, it's a shame he is so laid back because uh, in some ways, because he doesn't push his own barrel at all. For me, uh, I mean, I'm always pushing my own barrel and I wasn't in the same class so <laughs> but uh, yeah look we, we, you're dead right you've you hit the nail on the head we, we, he's not he's respected but he's not recognised for just how uh, good he was nearly 100 race wins in Europe um, a lot of people thought he would, would win the Tour de France uh, after, about, after 1985 when he finished fifth because he was twice I think five times the top 10 twice uh, uh, top five um, just the big mountains were just a fraction uh, uh, beyond him, but gee, he was very, very good.
1: So that was John Trevorrow. I think he adds a lot to the, uh, to the story of Phil Anderson as well. If he could
2: have. Johnny Tomorrow. These are some <laughs> of the nicknames of John. No, he, he's, we love him dearly and John's been such a, you know, he celebrates cycling. That's what John does. He yeah. celebrates cycling oh, he's every day of his cycling. life. Yeah. When you
1: think about the age that he's now, we're not yeah. going to reveal his age, but he's been loving bike uh, since he was probably 10 years old or something yeah. like this. Yeah. I mean, let's fair to say it's more than fifty years. It's more than sixty years.
2: He's sort he's of, he's sort of. Uh, what's what's the mafia word? He's he's the godfather yeah. of Australian cycling. I but think. in a good way. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Mostly.
1: We're just kidding, John. just John knows. He knows. I'm just having a little stab. Um, no, no, he is.
2: John. That's that is John. You know, he's. Um,
1: and if you want to hear David more about he John, he's also on the podcast, the Detour Podcast. Yes. Uh, which is another uh, another podcast that we really also recommend. Uh, yeah not only one podcast in the world, no, 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 and they,
2: they do a great job of that. And if they get some great guests on yeah. too with their contacts,
1: absolutely, Maka. Thank you for joining us today. It was a great podcast, and I Ooh. love that we included Phil as well as, celebra- as a celebration. Yeah,
2: thank you. I'm sitting on the wheel tonight, mate. I'm on, I mean, I'm just sitting in the middle, all so the way to Chateauroux.
1: You- so we're going for big mac or mac chicken <laughs> just, just stop it <laughs> this was the uh, zwift cycling central podcast uh, before we go let me remind you that you can uh, download stream or subscribe to our podcast on our website sbs.com.au cycling central or log a ride with our friends at zwift until next time tomorrow same place same time it's bye for now
0: before we go a quick word from our sponsor, Zwift. When I walk into the commentary box and Matthew Vanderpool is on the start list, I know I'm going to have some fun. And when it comes to doing an interview, there are none better than Tour de France winner Garant Thomas. Like many of the riders at the Tour, both of them use Zwift as part of their training. They've even done a few races on Zwift and you can too. There are races for all levels with new events starting every five minutes and thanks to the massive online community, there's always someone to line up against. Choose from a group ride, a road race, test yourself in an individual time trial or dive into the Fun Is Fast series across the duration of the TDF for a real mix of events. I've had a lot of fun doing some of the races and gotten a real sense of accomplishment completing some of the Grand Fondos, particularly the long ones. It's easy to get started. All you need is a bike, trainer and the Zwift app. Visit Zwift.com and hopefully I'll see you on there soon. Ride on.